Hey everybody, welcome to your sermon from Brad Tuttle Ministries, your weekly sermon. I am so glad that you decided to join me today. I'm excited we're in a new series. Remember we started last time, so the week before last, we started in this new series, and the series is called The Authority of Jesus, and we looked at him healing the man with leprosy. Last Sunday, I was out of town preaching and ministering in a church uh, at a conference called Good Faithful, Good and Faithful Conference, and uh, I ministered on Friday night, I ministered on Saturday night, and I ministered on Sunday morning in the church, and man, we had a Holy Ghost pour out while we were there. Uh, great church, great pastor, great group of people who want to receive, and it's 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 a wonderful thing to get in front of people who pull out of you um, the giftings, who put a demand on the gift. And, and I, I believe that demand came, came, came forth and a lot of lives were changed. We saw a salvation. We saw people healed, literally, um, testimonies of that. And just the power of God poured out uh, in people's lives and instigating them to an excitement for Christ. And just, you know, Jana ministered with me. Uh, every time I would get up, I'd have her come up and give a little word before I started, and then and I'd always have her at the altar. We love to do altar praying, praying for people at the altar, call them up, lay hands on them, lay hands on the sick, uh, or whatever need they have, and she's she's powerful at altar ministry. She's powerful uh, when she speaks over people's lives, so we do it together, and we do it as a, as a couple, and we like to call it Power Time with Brad and Jana, so we're excited about that. And we're going to be starting, we're actually going to have a new TV program coming on at a network that's actually based in Ohio, and we're going to call it Power Time with Brad and Jana, so we'll be letting you know about that, and you can uh, watch that weekly weekly um, television show, amen? So we believe this is the start of, of getting our, our ministry out there even to, uh, to greater lengths and expansion around the world and around this nation. So we're excited about that. But for today, we're going to, again, stay on our series, The Authority of Jesus, and we're going to talk about the title of our sermon is simply The Calming of the Storm. So the Calming of the Storm. If you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 23, and we're going to read verses 23 through 37. And this is a very familiar uh, section of text as Jesus uh, dealt with this storm that was raging around the disciples. And there's some great insights into this. I love to, when I'm in this setting with you, to kind of break, really break these things apart and to preach it to you, but also give you exhortation and insight into what the Word of God is really teaching us. Amen. I love to go into that. The reason I go into the Greek words is because there's so much value to that and that original language, because it makes our English words, it really brings out what the words really mean. So I'll be doing some of that as well. So Matthew chapter 23, verses 23 through 27. Amen. So here we go. Are you ready? It says, when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him and behold, a violent storm developed on the sea so that the boat was being covered by the waves, but Jesus himself was asleep. I love that. So the boat's being covered by the waves, right? It's not a little storm going on here, but Jesus himself was asleep. Verse 25, and they came to him and woke him saying, save us, Lord, we are perishing. He said to them, why are you afraid, you men of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. 
perfectly calm. Remember, he is all authority. The men were amazed and said, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Amen. Let's pray over God's word. Father, we thank you for this time together. We pray that your word would come forth to those that are watching, and we pray that you would open up their eyes to the truth of what your word is teaching us, that we will see the all-powerful authority of Christ in operation over nature, and we thank you for what you're going to do in the lives of each one of us right now through this great Bible account. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So listen, Jesus had the authority to teach whatever he wanted to teach, and he never needed to footnote anybody because he was he's the ultimate teacher. Um, he had the authority to heal the sick. He had the authority to forgive sin. Imagine that. He had authority to cast out demons. He had tremendous authority. He had authority to execute judgment. He had authority or has authority to teach whatever he wanted to teach as truth and make it, and make it binding on men's conscience. He had authority to determine the children of God and grant that right to them. Amen. He had authority to give his life and he had authority to raise it up again from the dead. In Matthew chapter 8, again, we read about uh, this uh, trip on the water and Jesus gets into the boat and he was up teaching and he gets comes down and gets into the boat and the disciples followed him. And there's this terrible storm arose. Jesus, these people, disciples feared for their lives. They awakened a sleeping Jesus who, uh, who they assumed was unaware of the crisis, but he's always aware of all things. And while Jesus was literally in the same boat as his followers, he was unconcerned about the weather. So the storm that they were in, he was unconcerned about that storm himself because he's the all-powerful creator. He had no fear of a storm. He arose, rebuked it. Some versions say he said, hush, storm, be still, and says, and there was great calm. We are not all powerful, and we are very prone to fear. We see this in these disciples, and this is an example of us, even as men and women of God, unfortunately, sometimes. And whether they quickly blow over these storms or they last a long time, we can be confident in this. We're in the same boat with the one whom even the winds and the sea obey. Amen. So it says when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. Obviously, this phrase is the 12 disciples. Um, so it would have had to have been a fairly sizable boat to fit the 12. I don't know if there was any other ones in there with them. Um, the book of Mark gives some detail. It says they took him along with them in the boat just as he was. No other and other boats were with them. So you have a lot of other followers that are tagging along in other boats. We know the 12 or 13 were there in this one, and we don't know how many others were there. But again, it must have been somewhat of a sizable boat. Um, verse 24 says, And behold, a violent storm developed on the sea, so that the boat was covered by the waves, but Jesus himself was asleep. Now, only Mark chapter 4, verse 38 gives the detail about Jesus actually where he was located in the boat, while he was sleeping in the storm, it says he was in the stern or the back or the aftmost part of the ship or of the boat. And it says, and behold, there arose a great storm on the sea. So now Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat and these guys are freaking out. Only Matthew, only the book of Matthew calls special attention to the storm by using the interjection, using that word behold. So God in his perfect providence, understand this, God in his perfect providence, he sent a storm, 
not meant to destroy, but to test the faith of his disciples. That is a powerful lesson to learn as a man or woman of God in the kingdom of God. Storms will come, and we always want to blame everything on the devil, but Jesus sends those kind of things at times to test our faith. The word storm is the Greek word seismos, which denotes a shaking or shock and is usually applied to earthquakes. Woo, this is a big storm. A small storm might not have had much impact because these guys were experienced fishermen. Uh, but this was a great storm, implying it was unlike any that they had ever previously experienced. It had to be a storm that would shake them. You know, you watch these TV shows on uh, these... Uh, on whatever channel it is, Nat Geo, whatever, and it, you watch these fishermen that are out in the, I don't watch them that much, but you watch them, you, you see these boats that are out in the North Sea or wherever they are, and they're being hit by waves and waves crashing. Well, those guys aren't freaking out because they're in this. That's what they do. That's what they do for a living. They're always around some type of gale force wind on the ocean. Well, these fishermen were the same way. Uh, remember, it doesn't. You don't have to be on the ocean necessarily to have your ship sunk. That can happen on a lake. And um, Mark says the book of Mark says it was a fierce or great gale of wind in Mark four thirty seven. So sudden storms on the Sea of Galilee they are not they were not unusual. I, I've actually had the blessing of being there. Um, one Bible commentator said these sudden squalls come down from the summit of Hermon with terrific force like an earthquake. And remember, crisis can be a good thing because it helps us change. It helps people change. And God knows that, and he lovingly provides those times of crisis for us or those times of storms for us. It helps us change. It helps us really see God in a new way. It helps us to go to God like we should be. Isaac Newton, uh, powerful man of God, uh, great scientist, said in his first law of motion, everything continues in a state of rest unless it is compelled to change by forces impressed upon it. So Jesus um, compelled these winds and waves to bash against the boat. No one is willing to, you know, a lot of times we won't change until something shakes us out of where we are. This shook them out of where they were. Some people feel... Um, They'll change when they, only when they see the light. Others can only change only when they feel the heat. But this storm was sent by him, not because they were disobedient, but because actually they were obedient to get into the boat with him. So Jesus is there. He knows the storm is coming. He knows your storm. Man, I've gotten so many. Uh, we had a friend, um, an acquaintance of ours who just passed from cancer. We have another friend of ours who just found out that she has cancer. I had another friend of mine who, a couple that I married back in Ohio when I lived there, and she messaged me and said uh, her husband has advanced cancer and the doctors the doctors are giving him no hope. Um, I, I don't, you know, when we get to heaven, we're going to see how all this works out, but storms come, things happen, and uh, sometimes it's hard to figure out why. Is it God? Is it the enemy? But in this case, it was God allowing this storm to take place. And my point is, all of us, many of you are going through storms of, in life right now. 
um, and I hope you learn from this, that uh, whatever it is and wherever it's from, that there's only one source for rescue, and that's in the Lord. He is the one who can um, speak to that storm and tell it to hush. He's the only one that can speak to your storm and tell it to calm down. And when it does, it calms down perfectly because whatever Jesus does is perfect. Amen. Um, you know, problems occur in every area of life and the, the disciples needed rest, but they encountered this storm. They were probably tired. Obviously, Jesus was extremely tired as he's sleeping in the back of the boat. The disciples were probably very tired. Um, the Christian life may have more stormy seas and it has calm seas. And that's just the way it is. When we come into to our into faith in Christ, uh, we, we have kind of a honeymoon period at the beginning. And we don't seem to go through too many things, but then, you know, storms come. Um, as a Christ follower, we have to be prepared for those storms that will surely come one day. So storms in our life will come. I've been through storms. You're in storms. You've been through storms. But we can't surrender to the stress. We have to remain resilient in the midst of the storm. We have to recover from the setbacks. And that's a big thing. You got to recover from the setbacks. With faith in Christ, you can pray, you can trust, and then you got to move ahead. Are you getting this today? When a squall, a storm approaches, lean into the wind and trust in God. Lean into it and trust in God. So the disciples, they lived with Jesus, but they underestimated him. They did not see that his power applied to their very own situation. They saw him do miracle after miracle for years as they walked with him. But the moment this tremendous storm was taking place in their life, they underestimated uh, what he possibly could do. They did not know enough about him. And, but here's the thing. We can't make that same excuse. We, we've got to know who we are in Christ. And we got to know what's available to us in Christ. And he is, he is the one that calms our storms. He's the one we go to. He's the one that rescues us from these situations. So moving on, we look at that word behold. It means in the Greek, it means to perceive, perceive, to means to see, perceive, to look at. In the Greek, it's an aorist imperative, and it's a command saying, do it now, don't delay. Behold, behold. You know, you can picture the height of these waves in this supernatural storm because that's what it was. No wonder the disciples thought they were perishing. One Bible commentator said the storm became, the storm came, the storm came because they obeyed the Lord and not because, like Jonah, they disobeyed him. Mark adds, the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. But that is a term of contrast, and this is a very dramatic term of contrast in regards to this, this account, but Jesus was asleep. So it talks about the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up, but... Jesus himself was asleep. That is striking. He's sleeping. The storm is raging. The disciples are panicking, but Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. I love it. Crashing waves, rocking boat, and still Jesus was sound asleep, indicating again, like I said earlier, that he must have really been exhausted, but the storm didn't wake him up. The storm didn't bother him. He's the creator of He's a creator of all things. The storm did not bother him. And don't miss this out. Don't miss out on it. Jesus was fully human and he was fully God. And clearly he was tired from, man, he had an amazing pace of ministry and he was in need of sleep. And there he was sleeping through this tremendous, imagine how the boat was being rocked. I've been on ships before 
that are being rocked by big waves and wind. You are moving, man. I mean, you can't even stand up straight. He's back there in the back of the boat sleeping. How could he sleep in such a storm like this? He wasn't caught off guard. He's never caught off guard. He's not caught off guard with your storm. He always did what the Father said, and he knew that even at this terrifying time in the lives of these disciples, he was in the center of the Father's will. Amen? Verse 25 says, And they came to him and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. Mark tells us even the disciples even accused Jesus of not caring. In Mark 38, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? They didn't know him enough. We can't be like that. We got to always know that Jesus cares about where we are. He always knows where we are and always cares about what we're going through. Of course, Jesus cared. Of course, he cared about the storm that was raging against his followers. These men were going to be the foundation of his church. So, of course, he cared what happened to them. And that also applies to me and you because we have great purpose in our lives. We have a great plan for our lives, a great plan of redemption in our lives. Whoever, wherever, whoever we are, the Ephesians 2.10 says, For you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that you would walk in them. He cares about you. He cares about your storm. He knows the storm you're in. He's not um, uncaring. He, he, he's not not concerned about what you're going through. He knows exactly what it is. We need to react right on our part and know that he's able to take care of it. We should never accuse him of not of not caring about where we are. Young people always shake their fists in the face of God and say, God, even believers do this. Why are you letting this happen? We should never say those things. We always should know who we are in Christ, and being in Christ, we know that we always are with the one connected to the creator of the winds and the waves, creator of the world. He is always caring about where we are and what we are going through. Amen? And it says they came to him. That, uh, that phrase, they came to, is the Greek word proserkomai. It means come facing forward, to approach, to come near, to visit figuratively to worship, draw near, go near to. It's the same verb that's used by the writer of Hebrews to describe drawing near to him in prayer, worship, devotion of heart, and life. They say, save us, Lord. We So they come to him. They're, they're coming face to face with him. They're coming, drawing near to him, um, approaching him. Save us, Lord. We are perishing. The word save is an aorist imperative. It's a plea from them to for Jesus to do this quickly. Save us, Lord. They are freaking out. These seasoned fishermen are in a storm they've never been in before, and they are panicking. And keep in mind, again, many of these guys were seasoned fishermen. They had undoubtedly been in some really fierce storms, but this is something that they have, a storm of this magnitude is something apparently they had never suffered through before. But here they are, they're in the middle of it because they were following Jesus and they're in the boat with him, but he's in the back and he's asleep. They didn't try to save themselves by bailing out water, which is good. They ran to Jesus, which indicates they had some element of trust, albeit Jesus said it was little faith, but they were prompted by something that told them to go to him, not just trying to do, listen, the bailing out of the water and not going to Christ is you trying to handle problems on your own. You need to go to him first. 
Don't try to bail out the water on your own. Go to Christ, man. Go to Jesus because he cares for you. He's not sleeping on your problems. He's not um, surprised by your problems. He knows they're there. He knows you're in them. He knows what's coming. So we need to go to him. We need to quit trying to do this stuff on our own and try quit trying to solve the problem on our own in this storm we're in and panicking. We need to go to Christ. He's the greatest counselor. Holy Spirit, he gives us, lives inside of us as our paraclete. He comes alongside to help us, comfort us, help us, lead us, and guide us. We have power in the midst of our storms to be able to deal with them appropriately. To whom did they come when the storm came? Matthew, Mark, and Luke use the word Lord or kurios in the Greek. Lord, kurios, primarily means possessor, owner, master, the supreme one, one who is sovereign, possessing absolute authority, absolute ownership, and uncontested power. So do you think you should serving as Savior and Lord? Hallelujah. He needs to, you need to look at him and know that he is your Lord. He is the one, I love that, that has uncontested power. Man, we're living in a day right now in this nation where people shake their fists at Christ and shake their fists at God. They have no idea. Their minds are blinded to the truth that Jesus is the one who has uncontested power, absolute ownership, possessing absolute authority, and is the sovereign God of the universe. Amen. It says we are perishing. The Greek word means to destroy utterly, but not to cause one to cease to exist. So we are perishing. This is this is something that is so dramatic in their lives. We are Think of that. We are perishing. Have you ever felt like you were perishing? It was so bad. It was so um, pressing in on you. The waves of life were crashing in on your life. They were filling up your boat and you felt like, oh my God, I'm perishing. You got to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, save me. Help me in this. Give me strength in this because remember, he's the one with uncontested power and he's the one that has the power to deal with it. And you're going to see this in a moment. So number one, storms hit suddenly and they hit without warning. Somebody say amen to that. Storms hit believers. Storms do hit believers. Number three, storms hit obedient believers who are serving Christ. Even those who are doing right and following after God, storms will still hit them. Remember, the storm didn't hit them because they were being disobedient but they were actually obedient by getting into the boat with him and following after him. Jesus said in Luke 8, 22, let's go over to the other side. So they did what he said. They're following him. They're doing what they're supposed to do. And then the storm came. So don't always think because you're in something, you've done something wrong. It may be that you're absolutely obeying what God's called you to do. And you're still in the midst of the storm because they are. Again, it says in Luke 8, 22, let's go over to the other side. He told them, come with me. They got in the boat with him. Then the storm came. Here comes their test, the test of their faith. Um, And same way, obediently serving Christ may get you smack dab in the middle of a storm. Um, You may have avoided had you stayed on shore, but the storm in in obediently following him and being in the midst of a storm, that storm is going to change you. It's going to cause you to run to him and to trust and place your trust in him more than you ever have had to do before.
and that's the purpose of it. Amen. And I have often found that the most severe times of testing have come right after I have taken a new step of obedience. Have you ever seen it in your life? Door opens, you step through, there comes a storm. One Bible commentator wrote wisely that faith must be tested before it can be trusted. Faith must be tested. Trials and difficulties are divine appointments to increase and strengthen your faith. Trials and difficulties are divine appointments to increase and strengthen our faith. Amen. Verse 26. He, Jesus, said to them, Why are you afraid, you men of little faith? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. Didn't say and it became calm. It said it became perfectly calm. Um, here we see that the greater storm was not the storm in the seas, but in the souls of the disciples. Ooh, take that, listen to that. Here we, the greater storm here is not the storm that's going on in the sea, but it's in the souls of the disciples. That's the greater storm. They're having to deal with this fear and having to really begin to learn who Jesus really is. Notice the order. First, Jesus addresses his disciples. He doesn't address them in a harsh, critical, or condemning manner. And also notice the association of fear and faith. They're opposites. Fear going hand in hand with unbelief. Faith in God and his sovereign control of the situation would have been the antidote for the disciples, but that was not to be. And Mark, Jesus says, do you still, do you still have no faith? The idea of being, do you not have faith yet? And, and he knew they had walked with him. They had seen him do all these things. They'd watched him heal the man with leprosy. They watched him open blind eyes. They watched him with one word, cast demons out of people. And yet in the midst of the storm, he's saying, you still don't have faith? And one version says you're little faith. One says you don't have faith. Clearly they had some, but it was very, very little. Man, you would think after walking with Jesus for three years, watching him do everything that he had, that they would not be afraid of anything because they know he can conquer everything. They've already seen him overcome um, in his ability as creator to have control over his creation. They've seen these things before. He fed the 5,000, which really was probably 10 to 20,000 people. They saw all those miracles take place. They saw all of them. Yet in the midst of their storm, they got short-sighted and they began to panic. And they're saying, aren't you concerned about this? Um, why would Jesus ask about their faith? What had, listen, that's because the, he's asking him because of what he knew they had already seen. And uh, so the lesson for the disciples is clear and the lesson for us is clear. They were to trust the Lord even in the most severe and threatening circumstances. You know, my friend, uh, she messaged me about her husband who has cancer, but the one thing she keeps saying is, you know, doctors say we have nothing else we can do for him, but her, her, she said, and I said back to him, but God's my healer. She's trusting God. She's trusting God to trust the Lord even in the most severe and threatening circumstances. One Bible, can't, one Bible commentator said the storm couldn't disturb him, but the unbelief of the disciples did. Let's not, let's not get caught in a place of unbelief when storms come in our lives. Let's not get caught in a place of not trusting in God when the storms come in our life. It, it's got to be an immediate light switch. I'm preaching to myself too. It's got to be an immediate light switch, man. We've got to turn the light switch on and say, listen, I go to God. I trust in God. 
I'm not going to live my life in fear when a storm comes. I'm going to go to God. I trust in him to deliver me from this situation. Little faith, when he calls them or says, little, you, you're men of little faith, that Greek word uh, means one who does not believe or trust, not strong in trusting a person, not trusting firmly. So he's basically saying, why are you still not firmly trusting me? Uh, one Bible commentator commentator says, this word is used only of the Lord, or only by the Lord, I should say, and as a tender rebuke for their anxiety. So he doesn't condemn them, but he, he tenderly rebukes them. Why, why, why are you still of little faith? Why, why do you have no faith in this situation? Why are you acting like this? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know what I can do? The word afraid, it means to be cowardly, timid, fearful. They were afraid. They were acting cowardly. Not grabbing hold of the understanding and the truth that they're in the boat with Jesus. Again, I repeat this again. The one they saw do so many things in their, around them and in their own lives. The one who they left everything to follow after. What has he done for you? Besides save you dramatically from your sin, he's probably healed you or healed people around you. He's probably provided for you and it didn't, you didn't wonder how you were going to be provided for. Well, then why do we always, why do it, why does a, 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 we, what we think is a greater storm come and then we are filled with panic and fear again? Why don't we just always have this place of faith, of trusting and knowing? I know we're human, but we've got to come to a place in our lives where you know, fear may hit us for a moment, but it's gone then. And we have trust in Christ. It says he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea. Mark, 30, Mark 4, 39, it says, Jesus said to the sea, hush, be still. I love that. Hush, be still. Looking at that waves, man. Those things were breaking. Remember, it wasn't a little boat. It wasn't a kayak. This was a bigger boat to fit all those guys. And the waves are crashing, filling the boat up with water. And he looks at it and he says, hush, storm, be still. He got up and rebuked. That word rebuked, um, epitamao in the Greek means literally to reprimand severely. He got up and reprimanded severely that storm. You hush now. You be quiet now. You stop now. You calm down right now. And guess what? That storm listened to him because he is the creator of the universe. He has authority over all things, over all nature. He has authority. And it says that it became perfectly calm. The creation obeys its creator. That's how powerful he is. That is how powerful and how much authority Jesus carries in his life that he looks at this raging storm and says, hush, be still, and it becomes perfectly calm. Not a day later, not a week later, not a year later. Immediately when he says it, it became perfectly calm. And note something here. This is a double miracle because he stilled the wind above the sea, but also the current below the sea. So the storm had two things going on. The wind was blowing and the waters were raging. He dealt with both. Hush, be still. And they both immediately. He, I love this. He reprimanded the, that storm severely. Stop right now in Jesus' name. 
the winds and the waves were synchronized into solemn silence. The winds and the waves were synchronized into solemn silence. When the creator created, he controls. What the creator created, he controls. God is behind the scenes and controls the scenes that he is behind. Let me read it again and get it right. What the creator created, he controls. God is behind the scenes and controls the scenes he is behind. Man, that's the one you serve. Serve him. That's the one you serve. Trust him. That's the one you serve. Stand. Listen to him. Go to him immediately. First, don't try to bail the water out yourself. That word calm in the Greek means tranquility, quietness, or stillness of the sea. An unruffled surface on a body of water. In other words, when he said calm, it was, I would imagine that water became like glass, like a glass tabletop. It says quietness or stillness of the sea. There was nothing moving. An unruffled surface on a body of water. Jesus calmly rises. He's not panicked. He commands this raging storm to cease and everything stopped to the point where there were no ripples in the water. It was like a sea of glass. Man, he can do that in your life. That's what we're learning here. That's the authority that he has. Amid the calm and the darkness, he asked two questions of his fear-stricken disciples, or I guess you could say the awe-stricken disciples. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? So as we voyage through the sea of life, terrifying gales may threaten to overwhelm us, illness, loss, danger may pummel us without relief because it happens. In our anxiety, we may cry out to our seemingly indifferent Lord, don't you care about my problems? But oh, he cares about your problems. And Christ, completely in control of every circumstance, gently and lovingly rebukes us for failing to exercise faith. Whew, man, don't you care about our problems? And there's Jesus who's completely in control of every circumstance, he gently and re lovingly rebukes us for failing to exercise faith. He urges us to trust his almighty and all-wise sovereignty. Wow. When God is with us, we are safe for time and eternity. My God's with me and my God's with you. So let's close out with verse 27. Verse 27 says, The men were amazed and said, What kind of a man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? What kind of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? So all of a sudden, here they are. They're now they're suddenly conscious that they are in the presence of the one who had miraculously stilled the storm. Now their eyes are opened to what Jesus can do. Now their eyes are open to whom they are standing in front of. And so they reacted much like um, Isaiah did in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, where it says, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Or like Peter in Luke 5, 8, when he saw that the catch of fish was a result of Jesus' direction, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful 
man. They're reacting. They, they're, they're, they're not trusting in the moment. And then Jesus does what he does. And then their eyes are open. Oh my. Now they see him as who he is. And someone here in Peter reacted where he fell down because he saw the holiness of the Lord fell down said, I'm a sinful man. It's the same thing in Isaiah chapter six. Isaiah got a vision of the Lord high and lofty and lifted up the holiness of the Lord. And when he got that vision of the holiness of God, he fell down and said, I am a man of unclean lips. I am ruined. And he saw himself for who he was in the presence of almighty God. The creation is personified as obeying its creator. Creation must obey its creator. So the implication here is that Jesus is the Lord over creation. That's the authority that Jesus has. That's the one you serve. That's the one that saved you is the same one that can speak to a storm and say, be still. The same one that can touch a man with leprosy and make him whole immediately. Amen. So let me close with these thoughts. Who then is this is the crucial question. Clearly, um, this Jesus is fully human, but he's also fully God. He has a body that got exhausted, so he slept in the midst of the storm. The full humanity of Jesus should be of tremendous comfort to us when we're suffering from our own limitations of our bodies. But he's not only fully human, he's fully God. Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Remember, he went through his years on earth in human form and dealt with those things. But one, it says, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. So he dealt with all of his problems without sinning. But not only is our Lord fully human, he is also fully divine. He merely had to speak the word to those howling winds. They ceased those surging waves stopped. Instantly, that sea was like a sea of glass. I want you to really picture that today. Full humanity, his full humanity encourages us because he understands. So his full deity should encourage us because he is powerful to act on our behalf. He understands where you are. He knows your, sto your storm that you're in, but he also knows how to act on your behalf. Nothing is too difficult for Jesus. Nothing is too difficult for the Lord. Nothing. No breath of wind, no drop of water can defy, defy, defy his sovereign will. The better we know him, the better we can trust him in the storms that we will go through. He has authority over your problem. He has authority over your storm. Quit bailing out the water yourself and go to him right now. And let him take control. Let him take control. Don't let this storm overwhelm you. I understand, but he understands better. He understands your human weaknesses better than you could ever imagine. But he's there to help you in those weaknesses. He's there to strengthen you in those weaknesses. He's there to Say to your storm today, hush, be still. And when he does, that thing will calm down perfectly. Don't stay in your fear. Don't stay in your anxiety. Turn it over to Jesus because he has all authority 
over it. And he cares about where you are and what you are going through right now. Let him take control. The sovereign God of the universe. Amen. Let me pray with you right now. Father, we just come before you right now in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for what you've done for us. We thank you. I pray for anyone out there who's in a storm right now. Be with them, Lord. Be with them in that storm right now in Jesus' name. Lead them and guide them, comfort them. Let them know, Lord God, that you are over the storm, that you're greater than any storm. You're over every storm that would come against our life today. And we thank you for that, Lord God, right now in Jesus' name. Be the one that hushes their storm today to them. Let them quit bailing it out themselves. Let them run to you, the one who has all authority over all things. We thank you for that today. We thank you, Father God, for rescuing us time and time again. Let our faith be built that we know whenever it happens, we're going to immediately run to you because we know that you're the one that has the answer for it. We thank you for this. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said together, amen and amen. You know what? God bless you. Thank you for joining me today. I hope this has been a blessing to you and encouragement to you. It's encouraged me. Let your faith rise, knowing even the things he's done in the past. So when a storm comes today, your faith has already been built and you immediately run to the one that can handle that storm. Amen. Jesus is awesome. Hallelujah. I'll be letting you know about the TV program uh, and when it comes on, we're going to try that, start that in the 1st of November. We'll let you know how to get there, how to find that. It's going to be on Sunday night, Dallas time at 7 o'clock, but we'll give you the information. Praise God. Live for Jesus, man. Trust in Christ. He has authority over all things. He's watching over your life. And from this moment on, live all out for him. Amen. God bless you.